أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن في خلق السماوات والأرض Indeed in the creation of the heavens and the earth واختلاف الليل والنهار and the alternation of the night and the day لآيات are surely signs لأولي الألباب for those people who have understanding At the beginning of Surah Ali Imran we learned about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum. Allah, besides whom there is no other God, and He is al-hayy al-qayyum. He is the one who revealed the scripture. He is the one who sent the guidance. And now at the end of the surah, again our attention is being drawn towards the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How? By making us reflect on His creation. By making us reflect on what Allah has created, the various signs that He has placed in the heavens and the earth. From this ayah until the end of the surah. These verses, they are, you can say, the concluding verses of Surah Ali Imran. And it was the Prophet ﷺ's tradition, it was his habit, that when he would wake up in the night in order to perform the night prayer, he would recite these verses. First thing he would do upon waking up in the middle of the night, what would he do? He would recite these verses. Ibn Abbas anhu, he said, that I slept one night at the house of my aunt Maymuna, the wife of the Prophet And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he spoke with his wife for a while, and then he went to sleep. When it was the third part of the night, he stood up. He looked at the sky, meaning he looked up towards the sky, and then he recited these verses beginning from inna fi khalqi samawati wal ard and then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam stood up then he performed the ablution meaning he did wudu he used miswak he cleaned his mouth and then he prayed 11 units of prayer 11 rak'at he prayed so we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he recited these verses even before he performed wudu to pray when he woke up in bed he got up, he looked up at the sky and he recited these verses. Why? Let's find out the meaning. Inna fi samawati wal Indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth. Khalq is al-ibtida' ala ghayri mithalin sabaqa. To bring into existence without any previous specimen before it. Meaning when something is created, when something is invented, such that nothing like it existed before. When Allah created the earth, there was nothing like the earth that was there before. When Allah created the sun, the moon, nothing like it that existed before. He was the first one to ever make it. And obviously, He is Allah, Al-Khaliq, Al-Khalaq, the only one who can create it. The only one who can make it. So khalq, in the creation of the heavens and the earth, in how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them, that they were non-existent, no sign of them, and Allah brought them into existence. Think about it. A human being, you, where were you 50 years ago? Some of you, where were you 50 years ago? Who knew you? Who expected you? Who thought about you? No one. You were nothing. And Allah made you, originated you, brought you into existence in this world. 
Just like that, the heavens and the earth, there was a point in time when there was no sign of it. Who created it? He did. So in the very creation of the heavens and the earth, the fact that Allah brought them into existence, there are what? Signs for people who have intellect. Signs for people who use reason. خَلْقِ السَّمَوَاتِ And خَلْق is not just the act of creation, but the word خَلْق also applies to the physical constitution of something, how it is created. So the word applies to creation, creature. So the creation of the heavens and the earth, meaning in how they are, how Allah has made them, that the heavens, the skies for example, with all of their vastness, and all of the different things that they contain, the sun and the moon, and the clouds, and how the clouds from them come rain and hail and snow. It's amazing how Allah has created this entire system. So, إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The creation of the heavens and the earth. And there are many signs in the creation of the heavens and the earth. First of all, we see that there are great signs in their kibr and their sa'a, in their greatness, in their vastness. The vastness, the magnitude of the skies and the earth. How huge, how massive they are. And how tiny we are. You know, when something is really big, it's almost difficult to imagine it. It's almost difficult to visualize it. Right? If I were to tell you, there is a table that's three feet long. Would you like to put it here, there, or there? You're like, I have to see it. I have to see it because I cannot picture a three meters long table. I have to picture it because three meters is actually quite huge for a table. Right? It's quite big for a table. But if it's something small, three feet as opposed to three meters, that's something that you can imagine, you can visualize. But when something is so big, it's hard to even imagine it. It's hard to even visualize it. And we see that the skies, how big they are, how massive they are, compare the size of the sun to the earth, how big it is. Compare the size of the sun to yourself. I mean, there almost comes a point where the comparison is irrelevant. Isn't it so? It's irrelevant. So, their vastness, that who is it who can create such a huge, massive sky? And within the sky, such huge, massive bodies that are functioning with so much perfection. And the earth also so big. You walk, you drive, you fly, you sail, and you can spend days and weeks and months, but the journey won't end. Because this earth even is so massive. You know, sometimes you go to a mall, and you're walking and walking and walking. I went to Dubai Mall in the Emirates, and I was like, I'm never coming here ever again. And may Allah protect me from going there ever again. It's like, I felt as though the whole time we were walking and walking, trying to get from one point to the other, and it was impossible to do anything. So vastness, and that's just one mall in one city. Think about how huge the earth is. So in their vastness, in their spaciousness, in how huge they are. Secondly, there are also many signs in the beauty that is within the skies that Allah has created, that is within the earth that Allah has made. 
The earth is not ugly. The sky is never ugly, never hideous. You know, even if you're in the middle of a storm, still the sky looks beautiful. Which is why people will take such huge risks to go and photograph images of the sky. When there's hail, when there's a hurricane, when there's storms. Why? Because even in that is so much beauty. The earth, even the most dangerous spots on earth, a volcano that is erupting, yes, extremely scary, but at the same time, there is some kind of brightness and glow in it, some kind of attraction in it, right? There's some kind of beauty. So we see that the creation that Allah has created, the heavens and the earth, they are so beautiful. The changing colors in the sky, the clouds, their shape, their form, it's amazing. Allah says in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَابِيحِ We have certainly beautified, we have adorned the sky with lamps. And what do these lamps refer to? The stars in the sky. And we see that every season, every time has its own beauty. Summer has its own beauty. Fall has its own beautiful colors. Winter has its own beautiful snow. And spring, obviously, has its own lovely colors. Correct? And likewise, every day, every moment. In the morning, it's another level of beauty. During the day, another kind of beauty. At sunset, a different kind of beauty. Even in the night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us so much beauty. Those lights in the sky towards the north, aurora lights, like pink and purple and green and blue, such lovely colors up in the sky. Anytime you will find the earth beautiful, the way that Allah has made it. Thirdly, there are also many signs to reflect on, to benefit from, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the heavens and the earth, you know, with so much perfection, with so much firmness, that there is no faultiness, there is no disorder, there is no weakness. The sky, you know, with all its massiveness, you don't find any problems in it. Yes, the ozone layer, it's destroyed because of us, because of our crimes, because of our wrongdoings, right? But still we see that in the sky, we don't see any deficiencies. You know, the ozone layer, if there are problems with it, we don't perceive it with the naked eye. We won't know unless there was research done, right? Look at the mercy of Allah, that there are problems in the earth maybe, but we don't see them, right? Still He has made it so beautiful for us. Allah says in Surah Al-Mulk, Ayah 3, أَلَّذِي خَلَقَ سَبْعَ سَمَوَاتٍ طِبَاقًا مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقِ الرَّحْمَانِ مِن Go look at the sky. Do you see any problems? Go ahead, look again, twice, again and again. Do you see any problem in the sky? You will only see beauty and perfection. You will only see beauty and perfection. You know the buildings that people make. Many times it happens that despite the inspection and everything, there are still so many things that could be wrong. The beams on which an entire structure is standing could be placed in a wrong position. And that could be a very dangerous thing. Very dangerous thing. One wall goes down, and that's it. The whole house could collapse. One beam goes down, the whole house could collapse. Literally. But we see that the earth that Allah has made is not like that. Yes, there are times when Allah sends earthquakes, and volcanoes, and natural disasters. But that does not mean that this earth is you know, not strong enough that we cannot live here. No. These are what? 
they are warning for us. There are lessons in it for us. Because Allah allowed that to happen. Then fourthly, there are also many signs and what Allah has placed in each of these, meaning in the heavens and in the earth, of various materials, the different types of creatures, the different forms, the different things that He has placed within them, and the various benefits that He has placed within them. Look at the sky, what does it contain? The sun, the moon, the stars, all of them, they benefit us. Right? Look at the earth. What does it contain? So many different things, so many different materials, from gold to silver to gas to coal. You name it, you have it. Everything that you need is within the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَفِي الْأَرْضِ قِطَعٌ مُتَجَاوِرَاتٍ And within the land are neighboring plots. Meaning, there are pieces of the earth, patches of the earth that are right next to one another, but yet they're so different in their color, in their characteristics, in their usages, in their benefits. Right? So this variety that Allah has placed, that there is no monotony, you don't get bored. What happens? A house that you renovate, you paint one wall red and after two days you're bored of it. You paint one room green and after two years you're like, what was I thinking? Right? You place pink cushions on your couch and after some time you're like, this looks like a hippie's living room. You criticize your own decisions. Isn't it so? You get bored of your own decisions. But the brown sand, the green grass, the blue sky, you don't get bored of that. You never say, oh this should be purple and this should be blue and this should be pink and this should be orange. You don't say that. And in fact, when it comes to interior designing, they say that go for what you see in nature. Go for neutrals when it comes to walls and when it comes to the floor and when it comes to the ceiling. Go for neutrals because then you won't get bored of it, right? So this beauty, who has placed it in the heavens and the earth? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This variety, who has placed it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we see that the earth is the same, the patch of the earth is still the same. But throughout the day and throughout the different seasons of the year, you will see a variety on it, right? Like a tree in winter has no leaves on it you will see snow sitting on it. Even that is so beautiful. A few weeks later, you see white lovely flowers on it. A few weeks later, you see green leaves on it. A few weeks later, you see red leaves on it. So this variety that Allah has placed and benefits that Allah has placed in this variety for us. That for example, if you look at dates, okay, when they're not ripe, Okay, when they're still in their early stages, even then they're so delicious, they're crunchy and juicy, right? And as they ripen, they're soft, uh, you know, so succulent, even that is so amazing. And when they become dry, even that's so delicious. And once you've eaten the date and you're left with the seed, even that is so beneficial, right? So we see that there's so many things of benefit that Allah has placed within the heavens and the earth, variety. So much so that this earth, this sky is sufficient for our lives and also for our death. Allah says in the Quran, Alam Najjal al Abda Kifata, Surah Mursalata twenty five to twenty seven. Have we not made the earth a container of the living and the dead? Meaning this is a container where you find sustenance for your life and when you die, you are sent back into the earth. It's sufficient for you. You're within the earth. 
Exactly. And that's exactly what we will learn about, that when we see these things, when we notice these things, then don't just think about the science of it, the chemistry of it, the biology of it. Think about the maker of it. And praise Him and thank Him for what He has blessed you with. So, إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ And the alternation of the night and the day. اختلاف from خَالَهَمْ اختلاف is the succession or the difference, okay, the variation. Basically, you can say that there are two meanings of the word اختلاف. Okay. First is difference and variation. So, the difference of the night and the day. How are they different? How are the night and the day different? Okay, so first of all, in their appearance, right? One is bright and the other is dark. Correct? One is black, the other is shining. Right? Then also we see difference in their length. One is longer, the other is shorter. And this depends on what time of the year it is, right? They are also different in their purpose. That Allah has created the night for a different purpose, the day for a different purpose. The night is to rest in, and the day is to work in. right? Then there's also the differences in their temperatures. One is cool, and the other is warm or hot. Sometimes in the summers, the day is extremely hot, but the night is cool. Right? And likewise, we see that in the winters it may happen that throughout the day, it was raining, ice, snow, whatever. And in the night, the temperature rises up, so you actually have a nicer night. Right? So difference in their temperatures even. Also, in the experiences that one has in them. That in the night, a person experiences loneliness sometimes, fear sometimes, depression And during the day, a person experiences happiness and joy and calmness and tranquility and he's at ease, he's at peace. So different experiences that a person has in them. And then we see that when one ends, then the other comes. So the second meaning of ikhtilaf is the alternation, the succession, that neither of them is persistent, constant. Eventually it goes and the other replaces it. Even if there is a place on the earth where for most of the year it is daytime, eventually the night does come, right? Or if it's nighttime, eventually day comes. Correct? So no night is forever, no day is forever. There are also many signs in the coming and the going of the night and the day. In their replacing one another. In their taking the place of each other. So, وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ In the alternation of the night and the day. لَآيَاتِ Surely there are many signs. For who? لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ For those people who have intellect. Notice, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say over here, for those people who have aql. What is said? For those people who have albab. Albab is the plural of lub. From the root letters lam ba ba. And the word lub is used for the crux, the innermost part of something. What is it? The innermost part of something. So, for example, you have a mango fruit. What's the lub? The seed. Okay? 
And lub is used for intellect. Why is it used for intellect? Because a human being is what his intellect is. At the end of the day, what matters most? Is it the shape of your nose? Is it the length of your hair? Is it the size of your foot? Is that what matters most? No. What matters most is your mind, your brain, your heart, your intellect, your understanding. Okay? And remember there is a difference between the intellect and the understanding of a person. Okay? Lub does not mean intelligence. Okay? Or you can say that having a sound intellect does not mean being very intellectual, being very intelligent, being very sharp and smart. Because there are many people who have a lot of knowledge. And where is the knowledge? In the intellect, right? Okay? And they can solve the most complicated questions, the most complicated problems. They can solve them very quickly. However, when they research Mars, when they research the oceans, when they research and study the clouds, when they study the animals, and they could be studying and observing them for years and years, do they come to the same conclusion that Allah is there? Do they come to the same conclusion that there is someone who made this for a purpose? No, they don't. So at the end of the day, it's not just about having knowledge or having great intellectual skills. It's about having the correct kind of understanding which is sufficient to have even if a person does not have a lot of knowledge. What is more important? The correct understanding. And this is what lub is. Al-bab. So for those people who have this kind of intellect, that they have the correct kind of understanding, they put things where they belong, they get to the crux of the matter, the main lesson. For them there are signs. The other day I was watching a documentary and I came across this term, Egyptologist. You know who this person is? And who he is? Or she is? Who are they? Those who research Egyptian history. Okay, so Fir'aun and his palaces and his pyramids and so on and so forth. And I was amazed at the very term. <laughs> right? And it's a good thing that people are putting in so much effort in learning and studying. And people seem to be very passionate about their research. And, you know, trying to figure out why the body was found here and why not here and what happened and what their beliefs were and why were they mummified. But I was like, okay, all of this is theory. Okay, what do you want to know? Years and years of research is being put into it, but why? Just to find out about what happened in the past? And even when you find out, okay, then what? I mean, I understand if there was you know, an accident, a plane crash. So you studied for 20 years so that you can help, you know, have better security, better aircrafts for the safety of people, for better performance. Okay, that's understandable. But going into so much detail, studying history, studying what people left behind, and it's a puzzle. You don't even know whether you're going to be able to solve it. And when you solve it, then what? 
So remember, intelligence does not mean lub. This is not what we should be seeking. We should be seeking correct understanding. Because when a person has correct understanding, then he will get to the main thing that is important. He will reach the right conclusion. He will take benefit from what he is studying, from what he is researching, from what he is learning. And if that is missing, then remember, even studying the Sharia, studying the Qur'an, could be just a mental exercise and useless for a person. Because a person could have a lot of knowledge, but if there's no application, then what's the point? It's just a mental exercise, right? So ayat are for who? لِأُلِلْ albab For those people who have intellect, who have the correct understanding. And who are those people who have the correct kind of understanding? How does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describe them? They are الَّذِينَ Those people who يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ Who remember Allah. They are those who remember Allah. Notice it hasn't been said. They are those who read many books. And they read and read and read. And they study and study and study. No, they study. Yes, they do. They read, definitely. But what do they do most? They remember Allah. Because even when they're learning, even when they're seeing, they're watching, they're reflecting, who is in their minds, who is in their thoughts? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَذْكُرُونَ Allah. They remember Allah. Where? How? In their hearts, first of all. That they remember Him with their reflection on this creation. Each time they see something, what do they infer from it? The perfect ability of Allah, the perfect wisdom of Allah, the perfect knowledge of Allah, His mercy. They think of His greatness. When they see the great pyramids, they don't say, oh how great Fir'aun was. When they see the coffin made of pure gold, they don't say, oh wow, I wish I had that much gold. And I wonder how much gold these people had. And I wonder how wealthy they were. No. They think about how rich Allah is. And how Allah can grant whatever He wills to whomsoever. And it doesn't matter how rich a person is, death still comes to him. Allah will still hold him accountable. يَذْكُرُونَ Allah. They link back everything to who? Allah. So when they study something in science or in biology or in history even in economics, whatever it is. Because this whole science, all these sciences, what are they based on? The creation of Allah, right? So, الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ Allah, They remember Allah in their hearts. And also they remember Allah on the tongue. That they don't just remember Allah in their head and that's it. The words also come out. So expressions such as, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ SubhanAllah Alhamdulillah. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. You know, spontaneously such statements come out then. A person could be sitting in their science class and they hear the professor saying something. And they're like, La ilaha illallah. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Why? Because yadkurun Allah. They remember Allah. The words of remembrance will come out automatically from the mouth. They will flow out from the mouth. Allahu Akbar. Hmm? And also recitation of the Qur'an. You know, what they have learned in the Qur'an, even that comes out of their mouth. They start reciting Qur'an at that time. When they see something amazing. When they see something beautiful. الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ Allah. And thirdly, with their limbs also. They remember Allah with their limbs. How? With their body. How? How do they remember Allah with their body? 
That for example, they see something amazing and they cannot help but prostrate. They cannot help but pray at that time. Right? They cannot help but bow down in prostration to Allah. يَذْكُرُونَ Allah. They remember Allah. And in all states, قِيَامًا وَقْعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ قِيَامًا is a plural of قَائِم One who is standing. قُعُود is a plural of قَاعِد One who is sitting. وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ Junub is a plural of jamb, side. So whether they are standing or they are sitting or they are lying down, in whatever position they're in, they see something, they read something, they hear something, and they link it back to Allah. And all of a sudden, they remember Allah. And the words of His remembrance flow out of their mouth. يَذْكُرُونَ Allah قِيَامًا وَقْعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ When a person is standing, this is the tallest position that a person could be in. Right? The highest position that a person could be in. When a person is sitting, it's... The moderate position, right? And then when a person is lying down, that's the lowest position. Okay? So it doesn't matter what position they're in, standing, sitting, lying down, they remember Allah when? At all times. And this is what we see that the Prophet ﷺ did. He is someone who remembered Allah while standing. So for example, in his salah, qiyam, and also when he would be sitting, sitting with his companions, he would remember Allah. Which is why we see that in a gathering, he would end up seeking forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala almost 70 times. Imagine, in one gathering, he would be able to seek forgiveness from Allah so many times. And then lying down also. Aisha radiallahu anha, she relates that the Prophet ﷺ would be lying down and he would be resting his head in her lap. Okay? And in that state, he would be reciting the Qur'an. He's resting, lying down, his head is in the lap of his wife, and what is he doing? What is he doing? Reciting Qur'an. يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ So the one who remembers Allah does not limit the remembrance to a classroom, salah, recitation of the Qur'an in the morning, Okay? Or a halaqa that they're attending, a lecture that they're listening to. No. They remember Allah all the time. Whether they're cooking, or they're driving, or they're doing laundry, or they're washing up their kids, or they're doing their homework, or they're sitting in the bus. Okay? They're stitching, they're sewing, whatever they're doing. They are constantly remembering Allah. Exactly. Taking maximum benefit of the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. But who does this? The one who has the correct kind of understanding, correct mindset. That he knows that Allah has created all of this. He knows I am from Allah, I am going to Him. So they remember Allah at all times. And they don't just remember Allah, but they also وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ And they reflect from the word تَفَكُّرْ فَكَأَفْرَى And تَفَكُّرْ is to reflect on the different aspects of something. It is basically تَرَدُّدُ الْقَلْبِ فِي الشَّيْءِ When the heart wavers in something. Meaning when the heart is constantly thinking about something. Or when your heart is occupied with something. Like for example, if you're doing tafakkur on how a particular dessert is made. Okay? Then as you're eating, you're trying to think, okay, but this tastes like cinnamon. This tastes like maybe cream cheese. 
This tastes like brown sugar or white sugar. This tastes like, is it cherries or strawberries? What kind of berry is it? And you're eating and the other person is trying to talk to you about something and you're like, is it strawberry? And they're like, listen to me. Like, okay, okay. And you take the next one and you're like, is that cinnamon? Why? Because your heart is in it, right? And you're constantly thinking about one thing and the other. This is what the fakur is. You reflect. What do we reflect on? Other people's clothes, right? Are those butterflies or flowers? Is that pink or orange? Is that real or fake? Right? This is what we do. We reflect on materialistic things. We reflect on people's glasses. We reflect on their phones. We reflect on their phone covers, phone cases. Right? We reflect on just useless things that don't matter much. That will become outdated in a day or two. Okay, purses, bags. I wonder if that's a real one. Huh? Jewelry, nail polish, hijab pin. The way they're wearing their hijab. Okay? This is what we reflect on. Okay, they put it this way or that way. Where did they put the pin? This way? Okay, they have five pins on. Oh my God. <laughs> and how did they manage to get their crease so perfectly fine? Well, they must be wearing something on the inside. Why at the fakkaroon on what? Ulul albab reflect on what? Fi khalqi samawati wal ard. They reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth. Because that is something worth reflecting on. That we reflect on other people's clothes so much that we also announce, I know where you got that dress from. I remember when you last wore it. Hmm? This is how much we reflect on things. And this kind of reflection is useless reflection. In fact, it leads to many wrong things. It leads to jealousy, it leads to suspicion, it leads to false assumption, it leads to negative thinking about other people. It's very dangerous, very harmful. What is it that we should reflect on? في خلق السماوات والأرض We should reflect on how Allah has created the heavens and the earth. So my dear sisters, it is springtime. Even if you have to put a jacket on, please put a jacket on and go outside. Go for a walk in the park. Look at the trees. Look at the birds. Look at the grass. Smell the air. Breathe in the air. Reflect on the creation that Allah has created. Allah shows you four seasons here. He shows you so much beauty. And yet we don't have the time to go and look at it for free. Really, it's for free. You don't have to pay $100 to go see it. You can go for free. And in fact, it's very beneficial for you. So go out and see. Go out and look. And it doesn't matter how busy you are. Even if you're memorizing the Qur'an five days a week, still take out the time to go for a walk and reflect on Allah's creation. Reflect. It's good for your health. It's good for your mind. It's good for your iman. Three benefits. Your body, your mind, your iman. So go for a walk today. And go for a walk tomorrow. And go for a, you know, whatever that you can. But go out. Go out. And look at what Allah has created. But it's sad that whenever we go out, even for a walk, where do we want to go? To the mall. The park? So boring. Who goes to a park? We go to the park. You go to the park. And we should. 
So fi samawati wal they reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth. And they say, Rabbana, O our Lord, what's their conclusion after their research, their reflection, their study? They say, Ma khalaqta batila. O our Lord, you have not created this uselessly. You have not created this in vain for a purpose that is futile. Baqil is that which is futile, useless, wrong. No, you created it for a purpose, for a reason, as a proof of your perfect power, as a proof of your existence, as proof of the truth that your messengers brought. Ma khalaqta hadha baqila. Subhanaka. Glorified are you. What does subhan mean? It is to exalt Allah, to declare His perfection, to declare His greatness above any deficiency, any fault, any negative thing in His actions, in His words, in His names and attributes. So we say, Subhanaka, O Allah, perfect are you that you would create the heavens and the earth without a reason. You would create all of this for no purpose. No, far above are you above that deficiency. Because if someone were to make something that's so huge, but for what? Nothing. Just like that. Like a person is cooking food, which 50 people can eat, and somebody asks, why are you cooking? Are you having guests over? No, I just felt like cooking. You know, I saw these amazing ingredients at the grocery store, and I was like, I have to put all this together. So I put it all together. Nobody's going to eat it. You know, if you want to go ahead, but I'm going to throw it in garbage day. If somebody did that, you'd be like, are you crazy? Are you insane? All of this food, you're going to throw away? But at the same time, when it comes to purpose of life, we say, well, there's no purpose of life, there's no God, there's no hereafter. Yeah. Is that so? People, you know, they feel hurt, they feel pain, they feel joy. People are just, people are unfair, people are merciful, people are, you know, rude towards others. They accomplish and they succeed and they fail. And at the end you're like, there's nothing? There's nothing really? How is that possible? So the one who reflects on the heavens and the earth, that he sees that if it's winter, there's a reason. If it's summer, there's a reason. If the tree has shed its leaves, a time will come when the trees will grow back. Then this person knows that if we are here, tomorrow we will go. And if we are here, we are here for a reason. And when we go, we go for a reason. There is no accident. There is no coincidence. It's always for a reason. So those who remember Allah, who have the right mindset, who reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth, they say that, O oh, our Lord, you have not created this in vain. Subhanaka, perfect are you, glorified are you. Faqina adabannar. So save us from the punishment of the fire. Save us from the punishment of the fire. Why do they say this? Because they know that anar is haq. The hellfire is haq. It is a reality. And just like the clouds that bring rain, eventually they depart. Likewise, when we are here for some time, eventually we will go. And when we go, there is either hell or heaven. So, O oh, our Lord, save us from the punishment of the fire. This is their ultimate wish, their yearning that, Oh Allah, save me from the fire. Because what did we learn earlier? That who is the person who is successful? Man zuhziha 
الْجَنَّةِ The one who is saved from the hellfire and entered into Jannah, he is the one who is successful. So they want to be successful. Let's listen to the recitation. إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ لَآيَاتٍ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا سُبْحَانَكَ رَبَّنَا مَا خَلَقْتَ هَذَا بَاطِلًا سُبْحَانَكَ فَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ So what's your homework? Go for a walk. But don't just go for a walk and come back tired and complaining. Go and open your eyes. Don't look at the cars. Don't look at other people's houses. Look at the trees and the grass and the clouds and the birds. 